I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's take a declaration of understanding so that we can take our study for this evening and then we'll continue to pray. Are we ready? All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in our spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that is what God will do for us again this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Word is going to enter everybody's heart here this evening. It will remove every trouble in your life. Amen. I will make Jesus clear, clear, clear to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you will become more like him. Because what you behold is what you will become like. And that will be your testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It will come to pass that you will remember yourself of a week ago. Not even one year ago, just a week ago. And you will wonder that when did I become like this? You will become, you know, you become kinder. Anger will leave your life. Amen. Generosity will come into your soul. Amen. You know, the life of Christ will just reflect in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Right. Let's take our seats and then bless somebody beside you as you are going down to the seat. And somebody is well with you. All right, let's take um, some minutes. Continue our discussion. Then we'll pray a bit again at the end. What we are doing in our school of prayer is learning the kind of things that we are supposed to say in prayer because prayers must be effective. We talked about it the other time. A lot of times people waste, you know, uh, waste um, effort in prayer because they're not saying the right things. They're not using the right words. You must know the right words to use in prayer. Solomon said, draw near to listen. Don't be hasty when you come into the temple of God. He said, draw near to listen rather than to be offering the sacrifices of fools because what happens is that fools come in, do anything they like, and God will not accept the sacrifice just because that's the way you like it. He will not accept it. So you must learn. So the disciples came to Jesus and said, tell us what to say in prayer. Teach us how to pray. The way John taught us when we were with him how to pray. Because each season of life, there are words that matter. And that's one thing that I'm learning now. Okay? And I practice it once in a while. When an issue comes up, sometimes I literally write down the prayer. You know, I've said to us before that one of the things we must learn is how to balance you know, one major problem we had when I began to grow up in the word of faith and learning the scriptures was this issue of balance. We did not balance a lot of things. We threw away a lot of good things because we're adding something to it. And I've said it and I still believe it. A lot of prayers that we pray as Christians, we use a lot of cacophony when we're praying together. Even here, I think one day God will help me. I have thoughts, I have dreams in my mind, things we're supposed to structure. When we want to pray, once we're on the same topic, God does not expect us to be using different words. We're praying on the same thing. Why is everybody saying anything he likes? You will see the Bible says they lifted up their voices with one accord. Then when we wanted to interpret it, like one preacher said, very funny. He said they were saying that the Holy Spirit interpreted that what we are now reading is the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. He just assumed that it is this modern day Pentecostals that were praying there. So when they lifted up their voice with one accord, all of them went, hey, when we were speaking that day, our prayer these days is full of disorder. Okay, so we assume that that was how they prayed that time. The Holy Spirit now put it together 
filtered it and gave God the remnant of the... Re- no, that's not it. What happened is that they chose certain words, and those words were the things that you saw recorded in the scripture. For example, Peter will lead the prayer. He will say, Lord, behold your threatenings. He will read the scripture out. Everybody is standing, heads bowed, and then at certain times they will say, Amen. I believe at certain times they will repeat words. Sometimes they will actually repeat what he said. Maybe you'll be reading the scripture. If you go and read Psalm 136, you see that was a prayer. All right? Somebody will lead it, and the other people will say, for his mercy endures forever. Then to him, to the God of gods, give thanks to the God of gods. The congregation will repeat, for his mercy endures forever. You understand? It goes on and on like that. And that prayer is very valid. But when we began to learn prayer, we wanted to learn the prayer of faith. That no, you can't use a prayer book, you can't do this, you can't do that. So like I say all the times, so we now throw away a lot of good things. No, we don't have to throw everything away. Take hold of one, don't let go of the other. Each one has something that is good about it. So when Christians are praying together, they should use the same words. Somebody should pray in a manner that other people can learn how to pray. The Red Prince said that the Holy Spirit gave him specific words to use in prayer. He was praying in, during the Second World War. He prayed at the time for American politics. By that time, he was an American citizen and he was living in the United States. He prayed for American politics. And if you see, you can listen to his message um, aggressive prayer. Inside that series, in the spiritual conflict series, there's a long series of messages. The Red Prince explained it, that the Holy Spirit gave him words, specific words, and he used them when he was praying about certain conditions. And I've learned that also in my life. When issues come up, I actually sit down and write the prayer. I actually do. I lift, that is, I lift scriptures, put it together, lift the scripture put everything together, and write the words I will take to the Lord in prayer. It does not remove anything from it. It doesn't mean that we will not speak in tongues when it comes to speaking in tongues. It does not mean you will not groan when it comes to groaning. But don't just assume that that's the only way to pray. You not remove that ordered way of praying. If we are going to pray together on the same thing, we should use the same words. We should be in agreement entirely. I hope you're getting my point here. Alright, so it's very important that we say the right things when we are praying. Very, very important. And that's why we need to keep on learning how to pray. We need to keep on learning so that we will not be wasting time. Okay? Learn words to use when you want to pray about certain situations. Learn those words. It's, of course, they're literally from scriptures. There are scriptures, like I said, there are three things I found out. We discussed it, um, I think late last year, about the weapons of the intercessor. Three things we identified. One, the weapon of the name of God. Alright? That is, lift up God's name. Like two weeks ago here, we talked about um, Isaiah 40, uh, Psalm 46, that we should lift up that, those scriptures over the nation. You see the name of God described there. He's the one that makes wars cease. That's a name. Remember, God's name is not just uh, Jehovah Adonai, Jehovah Shekinu, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah this. No. Once you describe him, that is his name. Once you describe him, that is his name. For example, the Lord, in, like in a, you hear scriptures like, um, is a high tower. That's a name. A shield to those who trust in him. That's a name. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. So the Lord that delights in the prosperity of his servant, it's a name. The Lord that makes wars cease. That's a name. He makes barren women dwell in the house as joyful mothers of children. That's a name. Are you getting my point? It's not just a Jehovah Adonai, Jehovah this, El Shaddai. No. Personally, I don't like Greek. I don't like speaking Hebrew. To speak English, 
speak Igbo. Anyone that that your spirit resonates. If the Hebrew is real to you, fine. But don't think you are spiritual because when you want to pray, you go and dig up the Hebrew words and I'll be terrorizing the society with it. No. If the meaning in Hebrew is real to you, please go ahead and use it. But if it is the English or whatever language you speak normally, that the name is real to you, use that when you are praying. First, the name of God is a weapon. Listen, let me explain what I mean by weapon. Just declaring that name over a situation. You have not even made any request. can solve the whole problem. That's what the Bible calls invoking the name of God. I hope you're getting my point. It is, the name can be invoked over a sickness. It can be invoked over a situation. Are you getting my point? So just invoke his name over the situation. What I mean is that look at the situation. What is God's name in this situation? That's the first weapon we have. Like when we're praying for a country like Nigeria, I have a number of names of God I have found. One, the governor amongst the nations. And please let me quickly drop this again. Don't use the right name when you want to pray. And then worship other gods when you are living normally. What do I mean by worship other gods? <laughs> this is what I mean when you want to pray. Lord, the governor amongst the nations. We lift your name over this country. You are the governor amongst the nations. Then when you go to, to, to the office next day, why does not know what he's doing? As a man that... <laughs> Then you ascribe to Buhari the whole problems of this country. God will say, wait, 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 wait. I thought yesterday night, we just agreed that I am the governor. Why are you now making this man whose breath is in his nostrils appear like God? I've even had people analyze the next president, who will be. And they say, look, the, the, the men, the, 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 the principalities, they have agreed. They are, those people, you can't fight them. The cabal, they have decided. One day I heard a man analyze on me how they make deans and provosts and vice chancellors at the university. Went for an election. He said, I shouldn't worry that the, the caucus has decided who will be the next dean. I said, who's the caucus? Said, my problem is that I don't know what's going on. He said, it's the caucus. I looked at the guy. I, I did, you know, there are arguments you can't even know, but as a Christian, don't even go there because you are taking away from God's name. We are saying he does not appoint kings. He does not appoint rulers. That's one thing. Second weapon of the intercessor, the promises of God. When Daniel went to pray, it's because he knew that 70 years was what God said. I hope you're getting my point. When you see God's plan, God's promises in his word, that's your second weapon as a prayer warrior. Again, with the name, you lift up that promise over a situation. The third one is the weapon. Now, it's interesting. There are two sides of, of it. I put the weapons of righteousness and the weapons of our requests. They go together. Making specific requests in the name of Jesus. That is a third part of that weapon. I hope you're getting my point. Okay? So, we put these three things, these three things together. Over a situation, God answers prayers. Our greatest um, discipline, I think, area we need to discipline ourselves is to be constant in our prayer. When I say constant now, like I said earlier, don't say one thing in prayer and say another thing of prayer time, what you think is not prayer time. We are supposed to pray all the time. So whatever you call God in the time of prayer, remember 
not to call somebody else that when you're out of that season of prayer. I hope you're getting my point. It's very, very, very important. Because a lot of times Christians weaken their prayers, they undermine their own prayers, they spoil the things that they have prayed about. Because with faith is patience. Patience must be attached to faith, otherwise the, is not, the, the faith is not effective. It is not effective. Except prayer is attached, except patience is attached to faith, it is not effective. What, does that, what do I mean by that? It means that I believe, I continue to believe. That's what makes prayer effective and faith effective. He said, don't, he said, don't doubt, continue believing. Without that, that's, that's the name of patience. The continuing of faith is what patience is. So, if I call God the governor amongst the nations, the one that makes wars to cease, I call him all those names. And I, next day I buy the newspaper and I hear, and I, hear um, and I read stories. One village was attacked in Kaduna, 10 people were killed. Um, in uh, Adamawa, this one happened, Boko Haram did this one. Then in Plato, some uh, headsmen attacked some people. And then uh, in uh, Taraba, you heard that they, a colony of Fulani men, they were, you know, they were, they were attacked, you know, and then they were wiped out. Now, in the paper. What is this country coming to? What is the government doing? A government that cannot police its own borders? A government, government that is giving identity card to foreigners? I don't know what is going on in this country. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this country. See, just carry eraser. All the prayers you pray in the last one week, just start wiping. Say, God, please, give me my paper. Just wipe them. Because that's what you have just done. You have, you know, you have inactivated your faith at that particular point in time. So let's be those things in mind. Those are the weapons of um, intercessors we've been talking about. So we're learning the proper thing to do in prayer. Now, we've been taking the issue of our country at this point, and this, uh, of course, it may not apply specifically to, uh, I don't know which situation is going on in different countries, but the principle is the same. It lifted from the word of God. So please, if you are not in a Nigerian at this point, please learn the principles. It applies to you. The principles are eternal. We're just applying it right now to certain issues going on, and I believe prophetically we're applying it at this time to our issues in this country. All right? First, we've established a number of things. I can't remember all of them, okay, uh, by heart now. But one of the first thing, one of the most important things we've established is that the church, Christ, is what God is doing on the earth. Christ is what God is doing on the earth. Christ is what God is doing on the earth. God calls the boundaries of nations according to the number of the Israel of God. That's the most important thing. That is what he's doing in Afghanistan. Yes? That is what he's doing in Iran. There are people that God shapes the events of the earth around. And the summary of that is one word, and that is Christ. The most important people on the earth are the people of God. Please, we're not speaking out of pride. We're not speaking with arrogance. We are stating fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. If you go and see it, everything that God is doing on the earth is centered around Christ. And that's why he divided the history of mankind into before Christ and afterwards. Former times and latter days. You know, if you go and read that um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it's a God who spoke in the former times, you know, to the fathers through the prophets. In these last days have spoken, or that has spoken in his son. What am I trying to say? The difference between latter days 
and, and the former times is when he began to speak in his son. Once Jesus was born, once Jesus came, it became a case of the latter days beginning. Latter days is not the year 2000 and something. No. It's after the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he imposed it upon mankind to recognize A.D. and B.C. Some will reject it. They, they, they don't like the fact that we use the word um, uh, uh, no dominant, that is, uh, the year of our Lord. That's the meaning of A.D. B.C. means before Christ, literally. But A.D. is anno dominant. I think it's Latin or something, which means the year of our Lord. So a lot of people rejected it. So they turned their own to C.E., common era, and B.C.E., before the common era, whatever it is. How did you end before the common era, and how did the common era begin? It was the coming of the Lord Jesus. And God was doing that to let us know that is the most important thing he's doing on the earth. And it's like that till today. Don't ever forget it. So if you come to a nation like this, I've been quoting Derek Prince so many times. He said, in any nation where the church is established, he holds the church as responsible for everything going on in that nation. So now, let me explain something here. It, both by what they did or what they are doing, and what they refuse to do. They are responsible both by their action and also by their inaction. They are responsible. Sometimes things happen instead of us to face it head on and pray about it and retreat to go and ask God, what kind of prayers should we say at such a time? We will say, no, people, get a visa and go and hide. We don't know what God is doing. We don't understand what he's doing. As a church, we start reacting like the world. I've said many times, Christians, be careful if your opinion on things, all right, reflect the opinion, the popular opinion around you. The chance that you are wrong is very, very high. Because somebody should, you know, he said, don't fear what this will fear. He said, you turn to the law and to the testimony. Anyone that does not have light will not speak according to that word. I'll be getting my point. He said, if they don't speak according to this word, it's God's light has not dawned upon them. So why should you be speaking? If you claim light has dawned on you, you are speaking like those who light has not dawned upon. You should know something is wrong. You should know something is wrong. You should know something is wrong. If your opinion about everything is a type you can, we can read from the pages of the newspaper, newspapers, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Just go and pray about it and find out. And then... The opinions of God, let me say it again, they are not always popular. What God holds as precious, as important, men look at as common. And many of the things that they say is highly esteemed before them, before God, is of little consequence. I was talking, about, talking with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and we're talking about um, an American president, Donald Trump. And people have said a lot of things about him. And he said something, and I said this man, a man of understanding. He said people don't understand how God judges things. So. There are many of the things they are saying about him, to God they are of little consequence. And the things that are most important to God, maybe the man is scoring high in it. A friend of mine told me last, um, last week, I was surprised coming from him. I was surprised. He said, in the next election, I will vote for Donald Trump. Nigerian. What happened? Now, this is a man who used to tell me that Banky, I'm suspecting I'm now a reverse racist. <laughs> you don't need to be reverse racist. Okay? Yes. <laughs> it's the one that told you that we were driving and some people were begging. So he stopped to give them money. 
the way he stopped, he got to, I said, why? So I looked at him, he said, I'll tell you why I did that. At the end, he said, look, he said, in this country, black people do most of, most of the begging. Anytime I see a white man beg, I give him money so as to encourage him to come back. <laughs> I had a good one. <laughs> that is good. The same man turned around, told me I'm going to go vote for Donald Trump. He vote for Donald Trump. He said, because I have thought about it, it appears to me like he's God's chosen man for this season. He said, I don't like him. He said, it's clear. I don't like the way he behaves. He said, but he appears to me like God's chosen man for the season. For that reason, now let me add my own words. Out of my respect for the will of God, out of my fear of God, I will go and vote for him. That's what he told me. He said, I, know, he said, I wish him well, even though I know he doesn't wish me well. What started our discussion was that, I don't know how many of you saw the analysis of this immigrant visa ban that America gave you know, against Nigeria. And Farid Zakari was analyzing it on the reasons why Donald Trump banned countries. And he found out that Nigeria, at least what he said before, that Nigeria scored highly on the good side. That they said they want immigrants that contribute to the economy, that don't depend on their wealth. No, they just give another analysis. He now began to analyze it. He said, number one, no Nigerian has been responsible for any death, terrorism-related death of an American since 1975, when they started calculating or something like that. He said, number two, he was analyzing it, that you don't find Nigerian-born terrorists in America, that they don't have them. Records, zero. He said, what about education? He said, of course, you, you, you all know that before. Nigerians in America are extremely highly educated. The proportion of them that have bachelor's degrees beats the number of native white Americans that have bachelor's degrees. Farid was quoting it. He said, what kind of jobs do they have? He showed the proportion of Nigerians that hold high-level jobs, professionals, and all of that. He said, so what on earth is the reason? He said, he said it's terrorism. He said, then why are all the visas not affected? Why only immigrant visas? Because a terrorist does not need an immigrant visa. Just to be able to enter is all he needs. So he didn't give any explanation. He just raised all the questions. So I forwarded the gist to my friend. He lives in America. I said, I said, bros, I, need, I have a question. With all of this that Farid has analyzed for us, why did your guy at the top do what he did? He answered me. He said it's called Make America White Again. But the same man turned and said, I will vote for him. He said, why? I don't know what's wrong with him, but I think God has chosen him for his own good reasons. So let me cooperate with God and give the man my vote. The Lord is good. Now, what am I trying to explain? As Christians, we should... You see, I like the way my friend analyzed it. He's, it doesn't mean... He, he's not pretending... He said, I'm just cooperating with what I have come to understand as the will of God. Our opinion cannot afford to be popular. We can't go for popular opinions. Our Christianity must show in the way we handle a spoon. That's not a joke. When you handle a spoon, it should show. It should show in everything you do. That's what I mean. I'm just using that one to draw it to the the lowest. It should show in everything. That's what I'm trying to make. It should. 
when you're commenting about what is going on, it should show. Let me say it to us again. People, a lot of times, that's where we weaken our faith. We want to have faith when we need something. I believe God. As soon as we turn around, we open our mouths to talk, we blend. We blend, we blend with this world. We blend with the desires of the world. We blend with the way the world estimates progress. We blend our opinion on north-south, you know, east-west, the same thing. That's why we lose our spiritual power. Christians, be very careful. Like we've been saying, the most important thing that God is doing is, the country, is, in, is, is, is Christ in the nation. And we are held responsible for everything going on. We should pray the right way. When there's, an, there's, when there's an issue, we should go and pray and say, Lord, what are we supposed to pray about? That's when the Prince said that the Holy Spirit will inspire you. It will open some scriptures to you. I said at that time that maybe along the line I'll talk about appropriate prayer. There are times God told Israel, there are prayers you, you will not say for now. Then the time will come, you will ask me for this. Then I will increase your men like a flock. Say, but until that time, you wait. Until this indignation is over. That's how it is. Prayers are appropriate at certain times. So we need to learn to decode the prayer for each season. And that's why we're doing these teachings. The reprint said, we are head responsible. We, should, we must do our duties. Remember I said we are head responsible for our actions and also for what? Our inactions. We've already seen the fact that part of our problems, I gave a number of things. One, wrong doctrine. Worldliness, those two things. And the third one I added at the end when we we're praying was what? Division. Wrong doctrines. Tolerate. And let me say something again. What we tolerate is important to God. He told the church, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. They were not doing what she was saying, but they tolerated her. They did not want to offend her. And that was their sin. Tolerating that woman Jezebel. Many times we tolerate what is wrong. We are held responsible for that. And when God is angry with us, I need to remind us of that again. His mood towards us, the nations around we feel it. I hope you get my point. So if we are the most important thing he's doing in the nation, he said to the people of Israel, I'm sending you to a land, the one we all know, Isaiah chapter, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. He said, when you get there, pray for the let me put the, let me use the, the progress, the good, the prosperity of that land. He said, in his prosperity, you will have prosperity. That's what he said. The principle of Goshen does not apply all the time. You must, like I said, certain principles you must know how they apply. What do I mean by principle of Goshen? There was a time Egypt was being judged. Therefore, God said, after the third plague, it will not affect my people at all. So you find darkness in Egypt, but light in Goshen. That was where the Israelites were staying. But it does not always work like that. Because he told them, now you are going into Babylon. Inside that place, as the nation around prospers, I will be able to prosper you. That's the way I, it's, not, it's not my ability that's reduced, though. That is the way I've chosen to do it. And he did that because he wanted them to know that they are going to be there for a very long time. So settle down, he was saying. Pray for your country. We are citizens of heaven. Amen. So we are technically exiles on the earth. Technically, we are exiles on the earth. Technically. This is not our country. We have a country which is higher than here. 
But while we are here, he says, let the environment feel your presence. So he said, you are the salt of the earth. Your presence will affect your environment. And we said, persecution comes in two ways. When light enters into darkness, darkness will react. That's one level of persecution. That's one level. And then when, when um, darkness is reacting, God allows that to prune his people and toughen his people. That's one. Second kind of persecution is the one in which what is going on is that the salt has lost his savour. So it's not being trampled underfoot by men. So the salt can no longer hold his church he built 200 years ago. <laughs> Do you understand? Then Islam buys it over and turns it into a mosque. And then he says that you can't preach in front of the streets. And fight breaks out if you preach in front of the streets that houses the building that used to be your own. God said, I'm putting a finger in your eyes to let you know your salt has lost its savour. I quoted Ken Hagen that said that years after Jesus was gone, they were still in Jerusalem. So persecution broke out upon the church in Jerusalem. Those who were scattered abroad went everywhere freely, freely preaching. But in Jerusalem, it was tough. Why? They prospered for a long time. They were meeting inside the temple in Jerusalem. But God says, you are still here. You are still here. When are you going to Samaria? Why are you still here? When are you going to the uttermost parts of the world? So he said, okay, release persecution upon them in Jerusalem. And that scattered them abroad. So if we find things happening around, let's look inwards first before we pray. And I established and I said it directly. I'm not mincing words about it. I'm not revising it. Why is there a problem in Nigeria today? It's because of the church in the nation. I think it's both because of their actions and their inactions. What about their actions? We've talked about the wrong doctrines. We've talked about worldliness. And I'm going to talk about it today, division. The inaction being that, no. I mean, of course, I know people who work in the north. The counsel they give them all the time is, come down here where you can be safe. One man sat my friend, Pastor Corey, and I explained to him that, okay, why don't you move the ministry to Abuja? Basically, withdraw from the front. Come and be safe. And if he, of course, let me just say, many people, many people, I hope you know, they listen to that counsel. Some were moved by God. It was the time of God. Many, most, or something else moving them. I know a denomination. I'm not mentioning names. So. The way to get a pastor to resign, post him there. If I want to sack two people in the kingdom world now, I will post them to our branches in certain areas. I will do them Uriah. You know Uriah? Write a letter to Joe. Post him to where the battle is off. The guy said, eh, hey, Oga, thank you. We have read the story of Uriah. Once they carry this letter, I say, which letter? He check. Yeah, posting. I'm not good. <laughs> because that's the general mentality. That's our inaction. It's not, look, not just those people, every, every one of us. Because one of the things we could do as a church is to see it as a joint effort. I hope you get my point. And then so, we keep pushing, helping people. Okay, you don't worry, we'll pray for you. Stayed six months. 
A lot of will be able to endure for a short while. After that, we'll send reinforcement halfway through. They move, you know, we see it as our thing. After all, in the military, they don't put the same soldiers in front of the battle for a long time. If the battle is very hot, you are there for some time, then they pull, you put a new cell. Otherwise, they are, you are guaranteed to kill all the ones that go. So they check it. After, okay, you are staying 12 months deployment. After that, you move back. And that set will go. If we all take, if, if we took that as our assignment, we will know how to strategize ourselves. One of the things we do is that we just say, ah, this man has a ministry to that place. Let him do it. They will guide our eyes away. So we divide ourselves into small, small pieces. We're not quarreling, but let him do his ministry. Instead of us saying, okay, bros, you have the ministry. How can we that don't have it, but we have the money, support you? After all, you see, this one, they say that the place is dangerous. Let me tell you the truth. Human beings can, they will face danger if the money is good. If the support is good, now let me remove the money, let's we appear covetous. If the support is good, you'll be amazed at how many people can face danger. One of the reasons why people can't face danger is that they are discouraged. Now, I'm not talking about covetousness now. When you feel like you're alone. There's a way you will face danger when you know your wife and your children, they, are, they will be well taken care of. It's a matter of fact. One day, one of my brother's friends got a job. When I heard about the job, it was funny. He applied in Lagos for, you know, as a systems engineer. And he got a job. The only thing that the job had to be was going to be in Afghanistan. Now, he, he, ah, who will go to Afghanistan? He went. Why? The salary was $300 every day. How much is that in there? Is that not, how much is that? No, no, Huh? Roughly 100000 That was the salary every day. So the boy went. That was even hard. You got some three prayer contracts will be praying for you. <laughs> no, but I'm not joking. His salary was $300 a day. And they showed him that the area where he was going was not very, very dangerous. So he stayed in his guarded area, stayed in his hotel. He was a systems engineer, so he was working online most of the time. Occasionally, he moved to some areas, but it was well guarded. <laughs> he took the risk because... Look, Ross, Lagos were in day. Poverty was going to kill him. A man must die of something. <laughs> they offered him another job. He said that one was too dangerous. If you go to Iraq, they were going to pay him $450 a day. He check and check and said, no, leave this one like this. <laughs> Learn a lesson from the fig tree. There are times some of our brand are called to so, those so-called dangerous areas. If we give them enough support, we'll contribute courage into their lives. Just give them enough support. I hope you're getting my point. Not that the man is battling Boko Haram, but battling Islam and still battling hunger. Hey, waiting. I mean, one enemy at a time, for goodness sake. Once one of my friends said, look, he saw pastors that started churches in cities, there, but they, 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 they left. Some of you know about what I'm talking about. These pastors, they left and moved into rural northern Nigeria. That, that is where the real mission is. A man who did this, as he was preaching, his children were growing. The year came. He saw again admission to university. And you know how federal universities are so inexpensive? He could not pay. The boy stayed at home. 
The following year, the boy gained admission again. He became desperate. Because he also couldn't pay. Now, these are the kind of stories you hear. You say, I want to raise money to buy a pastor a new car. You say, go punish you, punish pastor, punish the car, punish Toyota, punish everybody. You just be angry. Because if I have the car is seven million naira. I know that man was looking for 70,000. You just get angry. You say, what nonsense is this? So, listen, what I want to teach you today, all right? Let's get there. Is this one body thing that we don't recognize? That's the problem. That's the problem. Like I said, you shouldn't be there battling Islamic fundamentalists, battling, you know, um, unbelieving people who are not just normal unbelievers. Danger. To your life, at the end of the day, you are still battling poverty and your brethren are rich. I don't think it's right. It's not. So that's where our inaction comes in. I am I'm persuaded that these are all the things that we put together and we you know we ruined the country. And when it manifested, we found a scapegoat, Muhammad Buhari. We blamed him. He's very nice. She is a Muslim. We blame him for everything. But we're not blaming ourselves. We don't understand that we are held responsible. Before we start casting the blame elsewhere, let's finish with ourselves. Let's turn around and say, where have we sinned? Last time I talked about the sin of the prophets. I will pray about that. And like I said before, we're not just here to pray. We are learning the kind of prayers you should be saying all the time. You should pray against wrong doctrines, that it will not prosper. That once it starts, it will die off quickly. There will be person say, some men started preaching some doctrines in the UK, forgetting which doctrine now. Three men. He said he looked at them and said, this man will not come to a good end. One was working, the kind of work he does, like, is a, like a building contractor on salt. So the, the scaffolding he was working on, he gave in. He fell on metal spikes. He said, he said this guy won't come to a good end. He, that he was not surprised. He said there were three of them. They brought certain doctors into the church. Say he looked at them and said, guys, this thing will not come to a good end for you guys. And that's how three of them went. Three of them went like that, one after the other. I've got, I can't remember the message I listened to that thing in. I have a lot of his messages, one particular one. He said, said, this thing will not come to a good end. Sometimes we should, we need to pray, not just laugh, pray against some of these doctrines. How do you know a doctrine is bad? Check what it is producing. Many of the doctrines we, we, we push in the church, you know, there are doctrines I don't want to get into talking about them now. Any church that holds it, go and see they are young, no, men young and old. You see the kind of licentiousness that's in their lives. They now hide behind the goodness of God, as if it doesn't matter. Forgetting that the Bible says, Paul said to us clearly, there are two sides to God. There is the goodness of God and what? The severity of God. When you see doctrines that are wrong, don't tolerate them. Pray against them. And your prayer does not have to be detailed. Don't say, God, let those men fall on metal spikes. I beg you, don't. (laughs) Don't pray. 
Just say, Lord, let evil not prosper in this our land. Let the ears of your people be dead to things that are not from the mouth of the true shepherd. There are ways you coin those words. You are saying to God, we don't tolerate what is wrong. Jezebel was tolerated and it was a sin against that church. I hope you're getting my point here. So that's what we believers must do. Okay? The sin of the prophets, we talked about it last time, is a, is a major problem. Is a major problem in any body of people. The sin of the elders. Amongst the people of God, it's the sin of the priests and the prophets. Like I said last time, when we talked about it, it represents for us all the ministers. Those who stand and people sit down like you're sitting down right now, listening to me, and people listen to them. They affect people not just with their words, but their spirit. Ed Cole said, there are three ways you communicate. You communicate by words, by gesture, and by spirit. That's why Paul, even though that, um, that uh, girl possessed by an evil spirit was saying the truth, physically speaking, the letters were accurate, but the spirit was wrong. So every time she would open her mouth to prophesy, she would deaden the heart of the people against the doctrine, the gospel that Paul was uh, preaching. And he would feel it because the flow of his anointing would cease. Ah. She would open her mouth and speak, and the hearts of the people would be deadened. And he would feel it because the flow. After a while, he looked at what is going on here. I believe it took him that while to make that decision because how, she was very tricky. The spirit pushing her was very tricky. The spirit chose the right words. Chose the right words. So it took him a while. If the spirit had come out and said that, don't mind, don't listen to him. He wants to confuse you. He will have perceived that wrong spirit quickly and dealt with it the first day. But this girl did this for many days. It took Paul a while to realize that her words are right. Her spirit is wrong. So amongst the leadership, we can express wrong spirits. I, I recommend this book before. Let me do that again. Um, the Final Quest by Rick Joyner, in which he described people pouring the influence of wrong spirits around them. Beautiful illustration he gave inside that book was a prophetic vision. All right? So these are things we resist. That's where the sin is. The church, that is the sin of the church starts in the, in the leadership. So we pray. How do we resist those things? With right prayers. God, give us pastors after your own heart. Pastors planting after your heart. Pastors that are the type you have in your heart. They will feed us with knowledge and with understanding. And we pray it regularly. It's a, that is serious prayer. That Lord, if anybody starts a church because he's hungry, Lord, amplify his hunger so that he will run. <laughs> So that you've gone for something else. I'm, you know, you see, you be like, I pray such prayers though. Now you say, Lord, anyone starting a job because he's hungry, Lord, just tune up the hunger. So let him know that this is not the solution. Let him know this is not the solution. Let him go somewhere else. You pray prayers. I don't mention anybody's name though, because God needs those words to do what he wants to do on the earth. So Lord, every pulpit where people are, where, where rebellion is being engineered against you. We ask of you in the name of Jesus. Close them. Because you see, when Jeremiah was speaking, that's what he kept on saying to them. He wrote to Ananiah, you are staying up rebellion against the Lord. 
He wrote to that guy, he said, Fine, I forgot his name, the one that was in um, Babylon. He said, Ha, this guy, you are staying up rebellion against the Lord. Very good prayer point. But any, because those were men. One was a prophet, the other ones are leaders amongst the people. They were leaders. And he said, You are staying up rebellion against God. What he did to Ananiah was not funny. The Lord turned to go and tell Ananiah that he's going to die that year. Two months later, Ananiah was dead. You can pray a prayer like that. God, close any pulpit down where rebellion against the truth is being spread amongst your people. God needs it. Very good. Once you say that again and again, he holds it. Next time he sees a place where they are telling lies, throws it down there. They will start fighting. The church will collapse. Something will happen. Somebody will just start, stop, they will just stop talking. Just won't hear from them again. I have found that the things of God, they don't just work by themselves. He gives us principles like we are discussing now. So we use them to do warfare. Are you getting my point? See, what God does, he just gives you his plan. That is, I want to increase your men like a flock. You wait for 10 years, nobody will increase. He now said, no, no, you don't get it. I told you so you can ask me to do it. Let's read that scripture. It's a very beautiful one. Just to see how God does things. Remember we said we are looking at three sins. It's a third one. I'll try and get into that third one properly. So that um, we can pray with it today. Okay, this is Ezekiel chapter 36. From verse 33. It says, Thus says the Lord God. Ezekiel 36. From, are you there? Verse 23. Are you there? He said, Ezekiel 36 from verse 33. He said, Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited. Notice that word. Inhabited. And the waste places will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of being a desolation in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say, this desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden. Now, that's God giving you his plan. Can you see that? And the waste, desolate and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left around about you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. Notice verse 37. Thus says the Lord God, This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. I will increase their men like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast. Normally at that time, there's a lot of animals because they've, they've come for you know, celebration and for sacrifices. So will these waste cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Now when I read this, okay, Something dawned on me that what God was saying is this. These things that he said from that verse 33 that we read are the things that he has given them as his plan. He said, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. What does that tell you? They are to ask for the other things also. I don't know where you get my point. The prayer started from those things. So when God issues forth his promises, what he's saying is that let these promises be your prayer point. 
And that's why a lot of times you can see the promise of God in scriptures and you're not experiencing it. He said, that is why I gave you prayer. That's why Jesus said, pray like this, thy will be done on earth as it is recorded in heaven. Or as has been declared from heaven. It wasn't saying as as it is being done in heaven. As it exists, as it is in heaven. Heaven has a template of the will of God. And he has revealed it to men. So we take it and use it to pray. So what would Israel find out? When the time, that's what I'm talking about, appropriate prayer. When the time for restoration comes, they will find a desolate land. Do you get the point? Then they will turn to the Lord and say to him, this you have promised. So we are asking you, cause the cities to be inhabited again. Let the waste places be rebuilt. Let the desolate land be cultivated. Instead of being a desolation in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say, Lord, let this place be like the Garden of Eden again. And the waste, desolate, and ruined cities, let them be fortified and inhabited. Lord, we ask of you that you will increase our men like a flock. Like a flock for the sacrifices. The way flocks will gather in Jerusalem in the time of our appointed feasts. The way flocks gather in those places, Lord, increase our men like a flock. That becomes a prayer point. I hope you're getting the point here. That's our prayer. That's why you cannot afford to abandon scripture. Reading your Bible, you can't. You can't afford it. To abandon reading your Bible, no. You have to constantly know what God wants you to ask for. You don't just get up and ask for anything you like. I hope you're getting my point here. It's very important. It's very important. A constant study of the word with prayer is what will bring forth the relevant very important word. The relevant scriptures. The relevant plan of God for each season that you are in. And then you take those words and make them constantly a prayer point. Last time we ended, that's what we prayed with that. God said, I will give you pastors after my own heart. Who will feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. It won't just happen just because it's written. It is what you now take to him in prayer. I hope you're getting my point. It's what you now take to him in prayer. Say, Lord, fill the church with people of understanding who love righteousness, whose primary desire is to draw us closer to you. Pour a grace upon them so that when they speak, our hearts will open to see Christ clearly. Our hearts will open to understand you. It's an important prayer. What we end up doing is a lot of us, even when we have some understanding, we spend all the time laughing. About the lies that's going on. We shake our heads. What is going on in this country? We don't know again in the church. But we don't take time out to pray and say, God, no, no, no. It will not continue like that forever. We're asking you to restore the proper order to us. I hope you're getting my point. That's what we, that's what the responsibility. Remember, the church is feeling. The whole creation is groaning. Do you follow my point? Yes, they are feeling it. They are feeling it. The times that they are saying, you know, you know, every election, people want change. You know that? Almost every election, people want change. Then as soon as they finish, they say, is this the change we voted for? You know, it's very funny. <laughs> then the president came and said, change begins with you. <laughs> Of course, 
If you ask Bojo inside, all you just be doing is laughing at people. As a matter of fact, change begins with individuals in the citizenry. Change begins with us. Now, the point is this, okay? The truth is that the Oga himself does not have the power to change anything. He doesn't have it. But when people are asking for change, you know what they are spiritually, you know what they are actually asking for? The manifestation of the sons of God. So what they call change, 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 this change is the groanings the Bible is talking about. I hope you're getting my point. They don't know what they are looking for. Or let me like this. They don't know what they need. They know what they want. What they really need, what their spirits are really crying for, is what the Bible calls what? The manifestation of the sons of God. So they groan. The whole creation is groaning. So anytime they see opportunity for change, they go for it. So if you tell them that election is coming up, we can change the government, and that will change, they will vote. Then they will be disappointed, guaranteed. I remember, you know what MKO was called that time? Hope 93. Wasn't it 93? 92. 90, yeah, 93. Yes, 93. Yes, 93. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Hope 93. Everybody thought AMQ. SDP, progress. Part of the people, all kinds of things. Then went, one day I went to church. After that, I came to Lagos. And they were singing about Jesus. They said, Naim be our only hope. Then it was not Abiola. By that time, of course, things don't scatter anyway. But why were they shouting hope? Because that was what they were crying for. But the Bible says what they really desire, what they really are looking for is what? The manifestation of the sons of God. The manifestation of the church in the nation. Every Nigerian is crying for End to corruption. Let me give you the word of God. What they are crying for is the manifestation of the anti that the incorruptible sons of God. That's what they are crying for. If you like, start EFCC in every local government. Hmm? It will not come to an end until there is a manifestation coming forth from amongst the sons of God. So that's why we need to pray for the church. We gather a lot of times. Praying. Look, this is my conviction. We've prayed enough. I don't mean we should discontinue, but God has heard our prayers for the country itself. But they say, you don't understand. The sons of God is what the issue now is. So that henceforth, if you want to pray for the nation, spend most of the energy of praying for the nation within the nation. And the church should gather and say, this next one week, our prayer point, we are doing fasting and praying, praying for right doctrines, true understanding of the core truths of Christ. Nobody comes there thinking he knows who. Everybody just comes. And like I said, we just write the scriptures down. We write the name of God. We declare it over the church in the nation. We declare the promises of God that he will give feed us with knowledge and with understanding. That our eyes will behold our teacher. That our teacher will no longer be hidden from us. 
that the Holy Spirit has been given to us, we truly manifest in our lives, leading us into all truth. You don't even have to mention the country. Just pray that one. Over the next few months, we start seeing things. You see all these jokers? We start shutting down one by one. All those ones that are hiring the same woman to heal her hands. You know, when God wants to make people foolish, you should have known that social media will show that. Just go, just cover your eyes. As you be crook, the woman will be criminal. Are you getting my point? She won't tell you she has gone to the dark church. No, those need to shut down. We need to shut them down. One day, one of our brothers called me, said, needed a counsel. What is it? He says, there's one brother, that we have, a Christian, I don't know him, but he knows him. He's a policeman. So he wanted to use the force of the law to end fake pastors. That he wants to start arresting all those people that do fake miracles and all of that. So they invited him to come and join the, is it committee? <laughs> yeah, join the team. So that he'll give spiritual, he's a, he's a reverend, he's an ordained minister, and he's also he's in one particular big denomination. So he called me and asked me for counsel. <laughs> I said, my brother, that's not the word God has given you. I tell that policeman, that's not the word God has given him to. As much as I want the thing to end, that's not the way it ends. That's not the way. I tell him, I said, bros, go and do your work. You preach the truth. Are you getting my point? Do the correct miracles. Don't worry. God knows how he will sort those people out. I said, no, that's not your mission in life. Such people, we end them with prayer. God knows how we end them. All those ones that they were using the same woman <laughs> lent me her and she, I'm sure all, all those ministers will have stopped that. Now they just preach and go. Such matters must end. But how it will end is not by us gathering policemen to go and arrest people. No. Policemen arrest them once in a while. She, you know. There was one I saw they arrested in Lauren that time. That one, I just know some people there. Like, I don't even know whether God will send them to hellfire. Because in frustration, he won't know where to keep these people. You know why? After they arrested him, he said, no, now why are they complaining? That's his business he's doing. Every man must do his business. I'm not joking. As I said, God really can't send that guy to hell because he's not even, he, doesn't have, he, has not, he doesn't know truth yet. That guy needs to be saved. That is, he's not an unbe- that, How do I say it now? He said it's his business, and that's how they do the business. So those ones are what, what's in the policeman wahala. After all, MMM, they do it own. He was telling people that this is how this thing is done. You hire some people, put them in chairs, they say they can't walk, you pray for them, you take an offering. I mean, what's your problem? But what do we do? We pray. What do we do? We pray. We pray that such platforms, we collapse. Yes, that's it. If we pray it, God will do it. But that's not the only thing we pray. We will pray that we will preach the truth. And as we are preaching the truth, God will stretch forth his hands to do the real miracles that other people are faking. I hope you're getting my point. That is what births revival. That is it. Building fantastic cathedrals, spending major money, doing major programs is not what brings forth revival. It's the prayer, the heartfelt prayers of the saints. As we cry against 
the iniquity that, first of all, in, in, in Zion. You know, there's no revival that's going to happen in the nation until there's a revival in the church. Until the church cannot tolerate lying preachers. That once you start lying, the church will become empty. Once you start trying to manipulate them for money, they just won't come again. Every doctrine they want to bring, God will just put a spirit of discernment in the hearts of the people. As soon as you start, like they say, this man is looking for money. Next day, they will not come. After a while, people will realize that church business does not pay. I don't know what, that you get, what I mean by that. They want to turn into business, it doesn't work. If you like, swear from now to tomorrow, promise everything, these people are hard. So you now find only those who really believe the truth will stay there. I hope you're getting my point. Listen to me, it does not come by planning, it comes by asking God to do it. The third sin of the church. Let's read that one, and then we'll prove for the rest of the time we have. There are so many scriptures to use on that. I think we start with the one that Paul, the letter he wrote to the Corinthians. He said, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. When we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord. But I want to bring out um, the context. Verse um, 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, notice verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Please follow that. For this reason, many among you are sick, are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Please notice that. So Paul was talking about the communion table, how to handle it properly. Wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. He said, the remaining matters I will arrange when I come. There's a reason why I decided to read this. Actually, I made a mistake. Hmm? I was supposed to read from um, verse 17. So we'll go back. Let me add 17 to 22. You know, I said I wanted to get in the context, but my eye just caught that 23. And I, I omitted I should have gone a few steps um, earlier. He said, but in giving this instruction, verse 17, I do not praise you because you... 
come together not for the better, but for the worst. We're talking about this communion now. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. That's where I was going. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that they, those who are approved may become evident among you. That is the part I kind of accept, he was saying. However, generally, it's out of order. Verse 20, therefore, when you meet together, what, what ends up happening that it is not the, to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. He said, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? And do you despise the church of God? And shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He said, shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. And now went ahead to where we read earlier from verse 23. Why I had to read from here is to just bring out an issue that Paul took the division of the body as a serious matter. He said it was a very, very serious matter that he was dealing with. And that it causes problems inside the church. It makes Christians fall sick. It even makes many of them, he says, some sleep in the Lord. And he was talking about division amongst them. You must understand that God takes that matter very seriously. For time's sake, I'm watching my time. Maybe I'll have to continue this one next time. Maybe we'll just, i just teach some more and then we'll continue on it next time. You know, I was listening to David Pawson teach about the church in Ephesus, I think. And he was talking about when Jesus said they should return to their first love. Remember that in Revelation, okay? He said, what's that first love? Okay? Now, this was his own understanding. They were talking about love for one another. And if you go and read the Gospels of John, in fact, I heard him talk about John. You know, John will tell you that, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves God is born of God and knows God. Say, so he that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Are you getting my point? That's John for you, talking about unity amongst brethren. They said that when John was an old man, very old man, he will come to church, because of his age, they will leave him to relax. At the end, they will say, what do you have to say to the, children, to the people of God? He will say, children, love one another. This is after a while, they got tired of hearing himself. That who's going to talk, Apostle John? You know what he will say now. Why are you calling him to talk? Say, no, it's a bone. A bone has to talk. Okay, give him the microphone. There was no microphone. You gave him a Okay, it's time to share benediction. They say, you should share for us. You will get up. Say, my little children, this is the commandment from the Lord. Love one another. Amen. You don't need mic and go back and sit down. Did I not tell you? That's the only thing he will tell us. And if you read his epistles, it fills the place. And the church in Ephesus was going to be closed down because of lack of love for one another. There are so many scriptures talking about division in the body of Christ and how God passionately dislikes it. Let me quickly say something. All those that preach Judaism as special people, they are preaching division, they don't understand. Because Paul said it clearly, there is one body. There is one body. They were doing, building a church in this city. A man went there. The general overseer of that church happens not to be from eastern Nigeria. 
So he asked the pastors, they said, why are you people spending this amount of money on a building that does, in a ministry that does not belong to our brother? I began to wonder, how can a ministry not belong to your brother? Is it possible? That means the fellow is not born again. And this man is supposed to be a big... I won't mention his name. If you tempt me, I can tell you. You know, you know everything that's going on in the bad side of the church, the good side of the church. If you want to know what's going on in the city, just ask this man. <laughs> just come and ask him, Pastor Kemite. We heard that the one church did leadership retreat last week. Do you know about it? He said, oh, that must be the fountain of life in Christ International. Do you know that statement that man made is worthy of... Christ will take it personal. Yes, he will. He will. For time's sake, we'll quickly end it here. One thing you must resist, like a matter of the fear of God, is division in the body. I hope you know God does not recognize denominations. He doesn't. If you go and register a name in CAC, God said that is for your government, so you can write checks, so you can have trans- you can open bank account and register your land when you buy it. But that's as far as it goes. And you must be careful. Because that's one thing. You must understand. When things are supposed to be normal, you work to make sure they are normal. Are you getting my point? You must deliberately strengthen the bond of unity. It must be deliberate. You must go to a church that says that, uh, they are doing, like we're talking about missions now, they are doing missions to the north. Are you, you can't go. Say, ah, good morning, sir. Um, the pastor of and so church, me and my people, we just came to visit you guys. We heard about the work you guys are doing up in those areas. How can we help? That is deliberate. Do you, do you get my point? You are deliberately strengthening the bond of unity. My people, these are the real problems we have to solve. Not that one church is doing a program here, another church here is and quickly organizes it one so that their member will not members will not mistakenly go. What is wrong with saying that? Ah, I heard you are bringing this man to town. The anointing of this man is great. Please, how long is the program? All right, no problem. We are normally we have program this day, this day, and this day. We will suspend because you guys know this was and in your mind. This will save us money because if we have to import that man from the distance, but now if we sit in the church together with these people for Three days, we have tapped the anointing. Yes, it's true. We all we just do is ask them, "How can we help?" Everybody, please, oh, as you are coming for these three services, bring a good offering and put in the offering basket. You're not going to impress anybody. Oh. You really mean it from the bottom of your heart. But sometimes you rather say, "Okay, ah, we too will bring him." <laughs> We too, we will. Let me tell you the truth. This is possibly, okay, is one of the strongest reasons why we have problems in the body of Christ. Division. Just as an aside, God doesn't have any problem with names. So if you call your name, your church, the Church of Jesus Christ in Nigeria, intercorporated internationally, that intercorporated has no meaning. I just put that word inside there. And then you just, just to register a CAC. You know, sometimes all of them will be in the same denomination. It's not, it's not practical. Because we will have different emphasis. 
They are short. Look, one day I went to preach in one church, four square. So they now invited some young boys to come and sing. So one boy collected the microphone. This, you, know, you should even respect it. You should know where you are. He said, if you're happy here this morning, say, oh, oh, oh. What old man said, my friend, stop that. <laughs> what he said was, oh, oh, oh. This, uh, that man would have been something years old. Said, my friend, will you stop that? <laughs> I was against me that day. I had a good laugh. I feel like this small boy, you're supposed to know where you are. See the kind of people that are inside this day. I say they should do oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Respect yourself. <laughs> Me, I'm the guest minister. I look. There are some things you just won't bother doing when you get to such places. I mean, you, I'm, I'm not joking. You know, these are old churches. These men, when in that when they talk elder, you know, when you go to most of our Pentecostal church, when they say elder, elders are forty something year old men. Say elder. Me, if I didn't want you, I say I'll be elder. Should, no, some of you should join me when I go for my um, is beauty fellowship. Our chairman is 86. Last year, was it the year before, we went for his wife's birthday. She was in her 80th birthday. No, that's the kind of birthdays I go for. I have another one this week. Yes, I may not be around. That's sometime during this week. The man is turning, I think, 84 or 85. I don't mark up for the calendar. I'm telling you. If I now invite you there, as if I want to invite some people to come and sing there, I want them ahead of. Don't go there and be saying, do you want the revolution? Who? Who? I don't. <laughs> when they are taking fellowship pictures there, I can't even join. I'm serious. You have to be 65 and above. And I'm the chaplain. So chaplain does not join. I'm too young to join them. I'm telling you, some of you should come once in a while. Tell me what I'm doing program. Regular attenders, average age is over 70. You get to some places, nobody say good they do. So that's why we cannot be in the same denomination. Some denominations have to do oho oho. They say hallelujah. Do you feel oho oho today? When I woke up this morning, the Holy Spirit was doing me aha aha. And then you've said nothing, the boy about here. The Lord is good. That is why I personally believe that we cannot all be in the same denomination. It will not work. I have one theory. It's not confirmed. But I say even when we get to heaven, God will say, hey, Kirk Franklin, your choir is over there. <laughs> it's true now. You heard Don Moe sing? Yes. The Lord will say, okay, tomorrow's worship is going to be led by Don Moe. So all the white brethren, you shall be in front. You understand my point? When is when the time for African worship? Now, that, that, that is my own theory. Are you getting my point? It's my theory because if we sing together, mm, there has to be order in heaven. It, as, as you can see, those are unimportant differences. I, I hope you're getting my point. Uh, whether you sing your, um, whether you sing the song fast 
or you think that with a lot of, you know, rhythm, blackness to it, you know, there's this group I, I listened to those days that they, are, they, they were called the sounds of blackness. They tell you in the beginning was a drum which began in the beginning to beat freedom. Drum. That's blackness. If you sing it with that drummy background, the Lord will still hear the praise. If you sing it him way, you know, you sing hymns. See those hymns we try to sing once in a while? You, they're obviously not African. They were written by white people, John Wesley. What's the brother's name again? Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley was anointed to write white man's music. If you give it to us, we'll put another set of beats. But you know the words are the same. The spirit, the spirit is the same. And God will accept it. So those are the reasons why we may have small differences. Some people would like to go to church and sing hymns. Some would like to, you know, rock it down. The Lord doesn't mind. doesn't mind. It doesn't mind. But we can have the same spirit. We can have the same mind. I hope you get my point. We can see each other as one. We can. It's very doable. And listen to this. Except we do that, the manifestations of the sons of God we are talking about for the nation will not come. All these Islamists, all those things, problems are only as strong as our problems in these areas are, as long as they remain. Wrong doctrines, worldliness, and very importantly, division. Let's ask for our feet. We'll continue from this point next time. We'll take the division matter up in prayer seriously. Let's just give a lot of thanks for the truth that we have heard today. Let's thank the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for bringing your words to us again. Just give the Lord thanks. Just in those words, say, Lord, thank you for your word this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Give him thanks in your own words. The Lord, I'm grateful that you have sent your word to me again, addressing the issue of um, unity in the church. Just pray this prayer for yourself. Say, Lord, use me as an instrument of unity. In the name of Jesus, use me as an instrument of unity. Let me descend the body rightly. Let me understand my place in the body. Let me understand my place in the body. Help me to descend the body rightly. Sometimes unconsciously we just, you know, we say things that, you know, divide the body. Maybe you can point some of those areas. You can just repent now and say, Lord, from today, I refrain from saying those things. Help me. Let my brother's issue be my issue. Let the trouble of my brother, let it consign me. Help me. Let me be an instrument of your unity. We cease from competition. We understand that it is one Christ. We understand. We understand. I refuse to compete. Lord, this is our prayer. Thank you again for your word that you have sent to us powerfully this evening. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. First, let's share the grace together. One, two, three, go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into, we have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out of under the cross into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. 
we live above sin and we walk above the devil because we are seated high above Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now give that last line to two persons. This say this is your season.